ESPN Radio. Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. It would be that he would likely finish his career there, which he always said he wanted to do. He is staying in Green Bay. Does really set a tone now for the offseason in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a generational talent, and if you can keep him locked up at a high elite level for longer than you thought, that's a good thing. They're going to start cutting prices and they're going to start cutting players. That's what they're going to start doing. ESPN Radio. Aaron Rodgers has made his decision, so now all the other dominoes can fall. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Chris Canty, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99, at AmberW790, or give us a shout on the Canty call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco. The Seattle Seahawks are in rebuild mode. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they are playing for the Green Bay Packers next season just like they did last season and the seasons before. So we finally have an answer here on Aaron Rodgers, and he made us wait six weeks of the offseason. One could argue, Chris Canty, he made us wait for the last year for yes. to tell us to tell yes. us what he's going to do here with his future. You and I both think that maybe he got a little pleasure out of making the Packers sweat a little bit, even if he is saying that they have made nice up there with that organization. Maybe a little payback, a, a long-held grudge for them drafting Jordan Love. Whatever the case, he took a sweet time making the decision, and now he has made the decision. We have conflicting reports about the contract terms, but it stands to reason that it is going to be enormous. Is the pressure on now for Aaron Rodgers, Chris Canty? Does him staying in Green Bay mean even more pressure for him to win a championship than if he had left? Yeah, I think so, because Aaron Rodgers has gotten everything he's wanted from the organization over the course of the last year and a half. Like, I mean, ever since they drafted Jordan Love, Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, and Matt LaFleur, their head coach, they've done everything that they possibly can to placate to Aaron Rodgers and to, to, to cater to him, to give him everything that he would want. You want us to go out and trade for Randall Cobb? We'll do that. You want us to stand behind you with the whole immunized scandal? We'll do that. Do you want us to make sure that we get your old quarterbacks coach out of retirement and Tom Clements? We'll do that. We'll do whatever you want us to do. You want us to keep Devontae Adams around? Fine. We'll figure out a way to make a long-term contract work. Whatever it is that it's going to take in order to get you to stay. If you want a new deal, sure, we'll give you that. Even going back to last offseason, you want us to chop a year off of your contract? We'll do that, too, just so you have options and we can revisit the conversation this offseason. And so it seems like they've pretty much handed over control of their franchise to Aaron Rodgers. And now this is the situation that he's dictated. This is the team that he wants, uh, essentially. And so there are no excuses as to why he can't go out and deliver a championship for this organization. Aaron Rodgers had his pick of all these other teams that are quarterback starved. We heard that the Denver Broncos were in the market for trading for a quarterback. Obviously, we know that's true because they got Russell Wilson today. The Indianapolis Colts seem like they're in the marketplace. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the marketplace. We've heard about other teams. The Tennessee Titans have been rumored 
that they've been interested in Aaron Rodgers. There have been a lot of teams calling the Green Bay Packers about Aaron Rodgers' services, and the fact that he's turned all of them down and decided that Green Bay represented the best opportunity for him to enhance his legacy and to win a championship, I think that puts a lot more pressure on him. They have absolutely bent over backwards to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And I'm with you that we can't have the conversation anymore that they're not putting the right pieces around him or they're not doing enough of well, the things that he wants them to do. Like, that conversation has run dry. We yeah, were having that conversation this. for he years. He chose this. Exactly. He, he cho- chose You're this. right. He chose this situation. We were having that conversation for years. And frankly, we're having that conversation, and they're finishing 13-4, and four and he's winning back-to-back MVPs. And it's a stupid conversation anyways, because that team absolutely had enough to win a championship, and they were not getting it done. But that conversation is definitely over when he has now decided that that's where he is staying well into his 40s, because they are clearly doing whatever Aaron Rodgers wants them to do to appease him. I don't agree with you, though, that in doing so, that means that there's more pressure on him to win a championship. Because I actually think there's still less than if he had left. I'm not saying that there's not pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I think there's pressure on Aaron Rodgers to deliver another championship because of his legacy. And that would have followed him anywhere he went because if we're going to have a conversation about Aaron Rodgers as one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history then he needs to win another Super Bowl and that would have been true whether he had ended up in Denver or whether he had ended up in Tennessee or Pittsburgh or any of these other teams that were reportedly interested in acquiring him but he stayed in Green Bay and he's their guy and because he's their guy he's already a man made there a man a made man rather there and he's already delivered them the championship and he has delivered them all these incredible performances and seasons and the four MVPs and and these two back-to-back ones here towards the end of his career. So there's not much more that he really needs to do in terms of the Packers fan base. Like, they love him no matter what. And because of that reason, I think the pressure is less there than it would have been if he had gone somewhere else. And he wasn't their guy. He was just there only solely to win a championship and nothing else. Well, I'll say this, Amber. I mean, it's just like in a relationship. I mean, when you're with somebody for a really long time, and things aren't going the way that you want them to go, it's easier to look over and say the grass might be greener on the other side. I think a lot of fan bases have that opinion, especially if you're a quarterback-starved franchise. If you're the Denver Broncos and Aaron Rodgers bestows his good graces on you, yeah, you'd like to compete at a championship level, but having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback makes you relevant again in the AFC West. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, the same thing. The Tennessee Titans, even though they they were the team that had the number one seed, think about the upgrade at quarterback from Ryan Tannehill to Aaron Rodgers. That's a relatively low bar to clear. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, maybe it's a little bit different because of the franchise and what their expectations are year in and year out. But by and, by and large, you're talking about all of those teams, all of those fan bases being a soft place to land for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't necessarily know that the fan base looks at it as championship or bust versus we're glad we have a quarterback that's capable of delivering a championship. I know it's nuanced in the way that I'm saying it, but I do think it makes a difference in terms of the pressure or the perceived pressure that's on the player. I think with this Green Bay situation, I mean, right now, everybody's looking at Aaron Rodgers and saying, okay, this is the situation that you have now chosen, the situation that you said is better than all the other possibilities that were out there for you in the 2022 offseason. You chose to go back to Green Bay. There aren't going to be any more excuses as to why you can't get it done. We're tired of hearing about your record in the NFC Championship game. What is he, 1-4 in the NFC Championship game? We're tired of hearing excuses as to why you got bounced 
in the divisional round to the San Francisco 49ers when you had the bye week and it was inclement weather in the stadium and the opposing team didn't score a touchdown on offense. We're tired of hearing about the excuses as to why you can't get it done. So I think him making the decision to go back to Green Bay, the organization acquiescing to him at every turn, and the fact that he's poised to have a contract extension that's going to guarantee him the largest average annual value of any quarterback in the history of the game, paying him out $50 million a year, including over $150 million in guarantees. Yeah, I would say he's under more pressure staying in Green Bay, but that's but just me. He would have been under that pressure no matter where he went, I guess is my point. And that contract would have been hefty no matter where he went. And for some reason, he continuously denies the terms of the contract. And he even actually had tweeted out that he hasn't even signed a contract. And when Diana Rossini had that report a few weeks ago that he wanted to be the highest paid, he denied that as well. I don't know what his trepidation is with admitting that he's about to get a bag or that he's getting a bag because he should get a bag. He deserves it, particularly from that organization. So I don't really understand his trepidation there. But regardless, whatever the term are he was going to get paid a lot anywhere he went and he was going to have the the he was going to have the expectation of the legacy and it was always going to be a conversation could he win another one but at least I guess with the Packers fan base they're used to you getting bounced out of the NFC championship and yeah. then going on a meditation retreat right and if yeah. he had gone to a new fan base they might not have been used to that Aaron Rodgers but we'll see what it looks like moving forward coming up of course he wasn't the only quarterback with huge breaking news today Russell Wilson is on the move so let's talk about the pressure on him now that he's in a Denver Broncos uniform that's next this is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. So the subject of a blockbuster deal sends, of course, Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't the only high-profile quarterback with some pressure on him. This is ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So Seattle gets two firsts, Drew Locke, two seconds and a couple other players in this deal. The Seahawks are in rebuild mode. Frankly, they got a haul for him. I actually don't think it's a bad deal for either side. The Broncos are in win now mode, Chris Canty, and they're going to have Russell Wilson at the helm in order to help them do that. We have discussed in the show how this has changed the landscape of the AFC West. Frankly, this, uh, changes the AFC, makes it even more stacked than it already was. But let's talk about the pressure here on Russell Wilson, because like I mentioned, you're the centerpiece of a blockbuster deal. You have been the centerpiece of a lot of teams being interested, of course. We all knew a lot of teams would be interested, and you got to choose your own destiny because you had a no-trade clause. So you also signed up for this. We talked about how Aaron Rodgers has made his decision, and in part because of that, there's going to be some extra pressure. Well, here, Russell Wilson, he had his choosing, and he chose, in part, the Denver Broncos alongside the Seattle Seahawks. So where's the pressure now on Russell Wilson to get it done? Oh, there's a ton of pressure on Russ, and he's constantly going to be compared to Pat Mahomes, who was the standard when it comes to NFL quarterbacks in today's game. And so the fact that you're going to have two matchups in that division between those two teams, everybody's going to question exactly how good Russell Wilson is. And you said it earlier in the show, Amber, you weren't quite sure what quarterback was showing up in Denver because it didn't seem like you were getting prime Russell Wilson 
in in the the mid 2010s in Seattle based on what we saw from Russell Wilson this past season. This was his first losing season since he's been in the NFL. The guy's been quarterback there in Seattle for a decade. So I think there's a lot of questions about just how good is Russell Wilson? How much does he have left in the tank? Now, this is a player that has said openly that he wants to play until he's 45 years old. I guess he's taking a page out of TB12's book, but Russell Wilson has made no bones about it. This is a guy that wants to have longevity in the game. It seems like there should be more runway for him, given the fact that we've seen quarterbacks be productive in their late 30s, in their early 40s in today's game. So, yeah, I think there's a ton of pressure on Russell Wilson to be able to deliver. Like, he's finally having an opportunity to be with an offensive-minded coach instead of a defensive-minded coach. And we know there was some friction between him and Pete Carroll in terms of overall football philosophy, the play calling on the offensive side of the ball. They've cycled through offensive play callers the last couple of years. And so now teaming up with Nathaniel Hackett, a guy that's had a lot of success with with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, a guy that's been around for the back-to-back MVP seasons that A-Rod just put together, I think there is a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson to be able to deliver. The offensive line in Denver is better than the one he had in Seattle. The weapons are comparable. When you look at the receiving core, I would probably give the edge to that group out there in Denver, even though they don't have a guy like DK Metcalf, the combination of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, I would give the edge to. What they have in the backfield in Javante Williams, the guy out of North Carolina, he had a tremendous rookie season. They've got a lot of weapons. K.J. Hamlin, there are a ton of weapons on that offensive side of the ball for Russell Wilson to work with. But I think the thing that you also have to consider is what's on the defensive side of the ball for the Denver Broncos. That was a top-five scoring defense from a year ago. They were top ten in yards. That group knows how to stop opposing offenses, and that's saying a lot given the groups that they're playing against in the AFC West. So it feels like this is a team that was a head coach and a quarterback away and that organization has found answers at both of those positions. And so a lot of pressure is going to fall on Russell Wilson to deliver at a championship level. I'm not saying that they've got to win the division, but this is a team that absolutely has to find its way into the postseason and talking about being able to go on a postseason run in order to make this deal make sense for the organization. You mentioned the new schemes the last couple of years. Things have been ugly for him the last couple of years in Seattle. He's coming off of the most tumultuous season of his career. And of course, I know in part because he had that torn tendon in his hand, but also things have just been ugly even when he was available or even when he was seemingly healthy and he hasn't looked like the same Russell Wilson. So it'll be interesting now to see when, like I mentioned, he's in a place that he clearly wants to be because he had a no trade clause. So in part, he was in control of where he was going to go. And so he obviously liked the idea of going to Denver. We heard that he wanted to stay on the West Coast, so he is staying in that part of the country. This is interesting how this went down, though, Chris, where it felt very different than it did last offseason. We weren't seeing the tension as overtly, even though apparently they were wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. He was saying all the right stuff at the Combine. Pete Carroll was out there saying all the right stuff at the Combine, too. I mean, he was using words like, we don't have any intention of moving on from <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson, which whenever you, you hear you those bought, words. You bought into that, Amber? You, well, you no, I that? mean, that's a buzzword. There's, there's certainly Come wiggle room on. that he left open. And, and Russell Wilson said all the right things about you know wanting to play in Seattle and yada yada blah 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 so it wasn't as overt or out there necessarily uh, the fractured relationship like we have seen in the past and like has been rumored for a long time 
But even if the relationship wasn't fractured, frankly, this is something that needed to be done because Seattle needs to rebuild. They weren't going to win anything with Russell Wilson. So why not get a King's ransom in return for Russell Wilson and move on? And now he's going to end up with the Denver Broncos. And like you said, a lot of people think the Broncos are a quarterback away. And it's why we've seen so many quarterbacks flirt with the Denver Broncos that might become available. Like the Deshaun Watson, I think he was maybe the first one to have them on his list yep. uh, before his legal troubles. It also no trade clause there. Aaron Rodgers, obviously somewhat in control of his future. And then Russell Wilson, we've seen these high profile quarterbacks flirt with that organization because they all believe that organization is a quarterback away. And so now you're the quarterback and now you have to prove that that million dollars that you said you spend on your body every single year, he said that at the combine, you have to prove that that's worthwhile, uh, that you, that the last couple of years have been an anomaly that you haven't actually been falling off and that it all looks different when you have a lot more help. Like you said, on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah. Amber. And I'm with you on that one. As far as all of the posturing at the combine goes from Russ and Pete Carroll and John Snyder, all of them were working together to the same end. The Seattle Seahawks wanted to maximize the return that they could get for Russell Wilson in a trade, and Russell Wilson wanted to find a destination where he felt like he can compete at a high level. And quite frankly, if the two were you know, not working together, I don't think that you start to see the two sides get what they want, which is essentially what happened. In a lot of deals, both sides typically don't get what they want, but in this situation with this particular trade, I think both Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks win. The Seahawks have the resources in order to rebuild, and Russell Wilson is in a place where he knows that he can compete for a championship because the organization showed just back in 2015 what they could do with the quarterback stepping into a ready-made caliber roster. He can compete for a championship. He's not even the best quarterback in his division. Uh, He certainly is not going to be on easy street in order to get to a championship now. So we will see what it's like for the Denver Broncos. I will say this, Amber. I will say this. This is a huge opportunity for Russell Wilson to enhance his legacy. Competing twice a year against Pat Mahomes, Justin Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. If he can find a way to dominate that division with this roster, that changes how we look at Russell Wilson. A lot of people have Russell Wilson falling out of that top five, falling out of that elite territory when we start talking about quarterbacks in today's game. This is an opportunity for him to enhance his legacy and to enhance his standing amongst NFL circles. I will just put it out there like that. That opportunity is in front of Russell Wilson playing in the AFC West. So there's more discussion to be had here. How does this trade affect the NFL draft that's coming up? We discuss next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. Chris Canty rolling along here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So now that Russell Wilson is in Denver... There are huge repercussions in terms of the NFL draft because the Seattle Seahawks did not have much draft capital at all, which is one reason that they decided to entertain these trades for Russell Wilson because they knew they weren't in a position to win a championship right now, even with Russell Wilson under center. So if they're going to rebuild, now might be the time to do it. When Wilson still has a couple years left on his contract, he was going to come to them in a year and start pressuring them for a new contract anyways. And if they traded him away then, then you're talking about a team having to pony up right away with an extension for Wilson. So that might have harmed his worth. In turn, they got 
what I would say is a, a pretty much a haul, right? I mean, would yes. you say that, Chris? Yes, like, that's I felt a haul. like when this news came across, I'm like, all right, the Seahawks got a haul. They certainly uh, made out pretty well in this trade. And now they end up with eight picks in next month's NFL draft, including the ninth overall pick from the Denver Broncos. That's going to be the big one. We did not at all have the Seahawks, of course, considering quarterbacks before, but now that they have the ninth pick in this draft, we keep hearing Chris Canty, this is not a good quarterback draft, but when you have nine overall, do you take a quarterback there if you're the Seattle Seahawks? Well, our very own Mina Khan seems to think so. I mean, she says draft Willis at number nine, and of course that's Liberty University's quarterback Malik Willis. Draft him at number nine, and let's just see what happens. I can't do lock for a season. Let's at least get weird. Now, that is our very own Mina Kimes, and we know that she's very emotional right now because she just lost her quarterback. She got the Arizona Cardinals organization tweeting at her, and she had the ultimate clapback, might I add, by putting Kyler Murray in an A's uniform and asking him if they're good with their quarterback situation. But I digress. But I do think it becomes a conversation for Pete Carroll and John Snyder of whether or not they should take a quarterback at nine if they see the value in this crop in this quarterback draft class or if that's something that they're going to put off for future years because we do know that they've got multiple first-round picks and multiple second-round picks from the Denver Broncos. Plenty of ammunition if they want to go get a quarterback in next year's draft class, which is poised to have Bryce Young from Alabama and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. So, Decisions for Seattle to make, should they reach for a quarterback this year or should they use the draft capital that they have and fill out the rest of the roster and make it ready for a a rookie quarterback in the 2023 draft? So it becomes an interesting conversation to have. I would choose the latter and not the former just because I feel like based on the information that we're getting about this quarterback draft class, it would feel like a bit of a reach to go get a guy in the top 10 But if you have conviction, if your guy is there, then you take him. But uh, based on the strengths of this draft class, I would say that pass rusher and offensive lineman would be the focus for John Snyder and Pete Carroll, or it should be. I'm seeing some mock drafts already coming out where they have the Seahawks taking Matt Corral and he heads back to the West Coast, which is home for him. And and that, that there are a lot of mock drafts now that are focusing on that quarterback position for Seattle. Of course, now they have four of the first 74 selections in this year's draft, and they could use that quarterback trade for a quarterback if they wanted a different starter coming up here in 2022's season or they could ride it out with Drew Locke and like you said build around every other position and I guess wait until next year's draft when maybe the quarterback selection will be better I'm like you the thing that that make that gives me trepidation here is that and I'm no Mel Kuyper but that Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and all the experts keep telling me that this ain't the quarterback class and if this ain't the quarterback class even if you have the draft capital that that now Seattle has, maybe this isn't the time to force it. Well, I will say this, Amber, I, I'm not I'm not too old to forget about the class that in 2017 we were told is not a quarterback class. You know, the one where Mitch Trubisky was the number two overall pick? In that draft class, you're talking about Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson being taken in the, in the top half of the first round. And those two quarterbacks, you would probably say, if they're available – are two top five quarterbacks at their position in their mid-20s. So I, I don't know how much stock we can put in that. All I would just say is this. You do have options. You do have flexibility if you're Pete Carroll and you're John Snyder. You don't have to take a quarterback 
just because you have a top 10 pick this year and you moved off from Russell Wilson. You can focus on other areas of your roster. You did get Drew Locke back in that trade. Noah Font and Shelby Harris also came over. But there are some free agent options at quarterback, too, that the Seattle Seahawks might consider. I mean, guys like Mitch Trubisky are out there. Tyrod Taylor, Tyler Huntley, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota. Those are players that are available. Jameis Winston. Is it a huge nope. upgrade over Drew Locke, though? I, I don't – I mean, they do have Drew Locke, I understand. All of, those guys, all of those guys, in my opinion, have proven more than Drew Locke has in the National Football League. All of them. All I guess. I, I feel like if all you're in rebuild mode, you either go one of two ways here. You're either going to draft a quarterback or you could use, you know, the Apex and the draft capital and you could put something together, I guess, and trade for one. I just don't know of the free agent market. And then also where Seattle's going to be right now. I don't know if it's worthwhile, frankly, right now to bring in one of those free agents you just named. I'm not sure there's enough firepower there. It's not really doing anything for me in terms of the future of the Seahawks. Well, I think it's about being able to make sure that you, you know, honor your responsibility to the rest of that locker room to put uh, uh, somebody in that position that can at least afford you the opportunity to be competitive. Because, I mean, the last thing you want to do if you're Pete Carroll is lose your locker room. I mean, you're trading Russell Wilson, who is a top-10 quarterback by anybody's standard. You at least want to have somebody that you think is a viable option that will allow you to compete in what I believe is the toughest division in football. And Drew Locke ain't it. So, I mean, I, I don't know that you can necessarily go into this season and say, Drew Locke is going to be our guy and sell that to the rest of the locker room. I just don't see that. So, I would say that you do need to have an alternative to Drew Locke. And if you're not going to draft a quarterback at nine, then you should consider a quarterback via free agency. And there are some options out there that you can get on short-term deals. That's all I'm saying. Just an alternative to drafting a quarterback this year at the number nine overall pick. So now Seattle has the ninth, the 41st, the 64th, the 74th, and four other picks after that, plus an added first rounder and second rounder in 2023. So a lot of draft capital as the Seattle Seahawks rebuild. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it all. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, Major League Baseball, it's maybe canceling another week of games. If a deal is not reached by tonight, that is next. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So Ben Simmons will be in Philadelphia when the Nets take on the 76ers. He will not be playing in the game, Chris Canty. In fact, I don't know when Ben Simmons will be playing in a game, but he will be sitting on the bench. So he is traveling with his team to Philly. And Doc Rivers was asked if Ben Simmons is there, should the 76ers give Ben Simmons a tribute video? And Doc Rivers says, and I quote, yeah, I do actually. Ben did a lot of good things here. You know, it didn't end well, right? Just like marriages and all kinds of other things don't end well. I don't know if we're giving him one or not, but if we did, I'd have no issues with it. Chris Canty, should the 76ers give Ben Simmons a tribute video in his return to Philly? Amber, maybe it's just me being cynical, but why do I feel like Doc Rivers is trolling right here? Like, he's like, yeah, actually, I do think Ben Simmons deserves a tribute video. And you know what it should be? It should be all of the bloopers from Ben Simmons in a Sixers uniform, followed up with all of the highlights that we've seen in the five games that James Harden has played in a Sixers uniform. Because you know what? Ben Simmons deciding he not him not wanting to be there is what paved the way for us to get an MVP caliber player in James Harden 
who just so happens to make our MVP frontrunner in Joel Embiid that much better. So, yeah, maybe we should have a tribute video because the Ben Simmons trade could be the thing to help the Sixers deliver a title for the first time since the early 80s to that city. So, I, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, we should get a tribute video for Ben Simmons just so the Philadelphia 76ers fans can greet him appropriately in his return to the Wells Fargo Center. So I'm all about doing, it. I want to see the tribute video. You want to see a mashup of him refusing to shoot the basketball in 76ers fans just booing him out of the arena. Absolutely. Like that's, that's especially at, especially that's him passing up the dunk in the Atlanta Hawks series to Matisse Thibel, passing him up, basically pulling the pin and handing Thibel a grenade when he should have just dunked the basketball. That absolutely has to be one of the highlights that's on there. And then, of course, Joel Embiid going off in the pick and roll with James Harden. That has to be on there. I would love for the Philadelphia 76ers as an organization to commit to this tribute video, which really ends up being a troll video. And this can kind of set the tone for players returning back to their former teams when they leave on on not so good terms or on certain terms. They should have this teed up. They should have this model so the fans can boo those players appropriately. I, I just feel think- like Ben Simmons has earned that. I don't think Philly fans need an excuse to boo anybody, frankly. So I think they could do that with or without a video. Tribute videos have become commonplace. I don't know what we're giving him a tribute for, but it remains to be seen whether they will. We are coming down the stretch here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99 at Amber W790. We have had a lot of guests on today's show. Uh, Damian Woody, shout out for joining us. Chad Brown, Ahmad Green, of I'll course. Because he agreed today- with you, that's all. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm giving Damian a special shout out because he did agree with me, and I always appreciate when people agree with me and disagree with Chris Canty about what's the best <laughs> division now or the hardest division in the NFL. But, of course, NFL talk has dominated our show today with the breaking news. Russell Wilson, he is now a Denver Bronco, and Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer, even though we had to wait a very long time for that news. The college basketball season is heating up, and that means that Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award nominees to watch as this season rolls on. Brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Chris Canty, it is time. Let's go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and out. Well, sometimes it's the worst, sometimes it's the best. I think that this is just frankly the worst, and it continues to get even worse. Uh, Major League Baseball is set to cancel another week of games. If a deal is not reached by tonight, Chris Canty, between the MLB and MLBPA, what are your thoughts here? Wake me up when Major League Baseball and the Players Association has a deal in place, Amber. I'm tired of hearing about these two argue publicly about money. I mean, even going back to 2020 when we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, we don't have a vaccine, we don't have a weapon, everybody's social distancing, people are going through, you know, physical turmoil as well as, you know, having to deal with the the mental health aspect of going through a pandemic. 
and these two sides are arguing over billions of dollars. It just makes no sense to me. I'm tired of the public bickering, the discord between the two, because they should be working together in order to grow the game and improve the entertainment product. I don't know if they have the awareness or not, but the world is going to go on if Major League Baseball doesn't play games or doesn't start the season on time or misses a significant portion of the season. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and how they're shaking up the NFL. We know how that league has expanded the calendar to having events at every month throughout the offseason. We got NBA playoffs coming up, and we know that's going to take us to early July. So if if Major League Baseball doesn't get their act together, I, I'm, I think they have the potential to lose even more share based on where they're at right now in the landscape of pro sports in this country. So I just, from, from an entertainment standpoint, from what's in, this, in the best interest of appealing to a younger demographic, Major League Baseball needs to get their act together. Because if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And it feels like this thing is poised to have a prolonged, drawn-out negotiation. And I don't know that's that's in the best interest of either side when it comes to who wins in this next CBA, these next CBA talks. So I, I just think it's ridiculous. I understand that it's their business and protecting their millions and billions is part of their business. But it does feel like to me that if their sport isn't being played, it's not going to help the popularity of their sport, which ain't going to help their bottom line, which ain't going to help their millions and billions. So at some point here, they need to take that into consideration. But I do understand from the player perspective why they're not as concerned about the health of the sport in 20 years. I don't quite understand why the owners maybe aren't a little bit more concerned about that. And maybe they are behind the scenes and we're not privy to that. Major League Baseball is telling the union that tonight is the last chance. If they don't have a deal by tonight, this is the last chance for them to have a 162-game season. Apparently, the two series that Manfred canceled last week could be added to the end of the schedule if an agreement is reached by tonight is what Major League Baseball is saying. And after tonight, it will officially absolutely be a shortened season that they cannot make up any other way. That is the direction that we're headed. Uh, I don't know if a shortened season is good or bad for baseball, but at some point, no baseball seems real bad for baseball. So it feels like these two sides need to get their stuff together. The Spurs, they have their stuff together with Greg Popovich at the helm anyways. He ties Don Nelson's NBA record with his 1,335th career win. Chris Canty, Greg Popovich, one of the best NBA coaches of all time. I think you and I would probably agree on that, correct? Oh, no doubt about it. And he's got the jewelry to prove it. He's got five NBA championships, and he's done it throughout the course of a couple of different decades. I mean, he's won a championship in the 90s, he's won a championship in the 2000s, and he's won a championship in the 2010s. So, I mean, you tell me, having that level of longevity, I think that speaks volumes to your greatness. And Greg Popovich, I mean, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a coach that was better at it, that did it at a higher level um, than, than he did. And the thing that I admired about Greg Popovich is that he was – always able to maintain the culture of putting team above self. And that's hard to do when you start talking about the professional ranks, when you start talking about the sport of basketball, because we know that this is a sport where one player can make that much of a difference, but you never really felt that on Greg Popovich coach teams. You never really saw that. It was all about the team first, and I admire that because it's hard to get players to sacrifice and to buy into something that's bigger than themselves. And Greg Popovich was able to routinely do that over the course of his 26-year NBA coaching career.
So the all-time winningest coach and his team has not been where his team has wanted to be uh, of late. Of course, they're sitting at 25 and 40 on the season, sitting at 12th in the conference, but it doesn't matter in terms of his legacy where the Spurs are at right now. Greg Popovich, one of the greatest. Uh, the NFL, Chris Canty, has informed teams the 2022 salary cap is going to be $208.2 million. <laughs> A significant Amber, say that increase. again. Say that number again. Two hundred and uh, Shannon took it off my screen. Two hundred and eight point two million dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money, Amber. That is a lot of money. It was one hundred and eighty-two point five last season. To give you some context, there. So a significant increase in the NFL salary. Okay, so two hundred and eight point two million times thirty-two. <laughs> That's a lot of billions, Amber. That's a lot of billions. That is a lot of billions. But we knew that the salary cap was going to go up astronomically when the NFL was able to strike a new CBA with the players because that locks in labor peace for over a decade. So you can then, in turn, have the owners go sell that to the television networks, and they sign record contracts. NBC, ABC, ESPN, obviously, and then CBS and Fox. Like, it's just, it, it, you know that football is appointment television in this country. It's the number one sport, and people can't get enough of it. So you knew that those record television contracts were going to have a big impact on team spending and what the salary cap would look like in the coming years. And so this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's going to continue to go up, up, and up. And I'm excited for it because it's about time that the players are able to share in the growth of the game. Yeah, the players will be the huge beneficiaries of this. And don't forget, teams must be under the cap by 4 p.m. Eastern on March 16th. That's the official start of the new league year. The official start of Spain and Fitz is coming up next. This has been ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and with Chris Canty.